Campbell Morgan, uh, the late evangelist, author, and Bible teacher, said this, the church did the most for the world when the church was least like the world. The church did the most for the world when the church was least like the world. The church in Thessalonica did the most for Thessalonica when the followers of Jesus inside the church lived differently than those who didn't know Jesus outside the church. This is true for us today. We do the most for the world when we live least like the world. Biblically, the world is defined as the attitudes, the actions, the beliefs, the ideas, the philosophies, the thoughts of those living in rebellion against God and opposition to God. We were once dead in our sins and transgressions. As Paul said, we used to live according to the ways of the world. But God, rich in love and mercy, saved us by his grace through our faith in Christ Jesus. We are new creations in Christ. The old is gone and the new has come. As followers of Jesus, we are witnesses for Jesus. Jesus told us this in Matthew 5 and verse 14. Jesus said, you're the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand. And it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. God wants the light of Jesus in us to shine through us so that those around us can come to know Jesus. We shine the light of Jesus as we follow Jesus by faith day by day. We are to live as Jesus lived and love as Jesus loved. We shine the light of Jesus as we walk in obedience to the truth of God's word. God's word gives us the instructions we need to live God's way. As we have shared through this series, as followers of Jesus, we live according to the word, not the world. As followers of Jesus, we live according to the truth of God's word, not the standards, beliefs, and whims of the world. We, as followers of Jesus, are different in Jesus. As followers of Jesus, we're to live differently for Jesus. One of the ways we live differently for Jesus is by living holy lives. Holiness allowed the believers in Thessalonica to shine for Jesus because sexual immorality was rampant in Thessalonica. Holiness allows us to shine for Jesus because sexual immorality is rampant today in our society. We talk about sexual immorality because God talked about sexual immorality in his word a lot. We talk about sexual morality because it's relevant to our lives today. It is everywhere all around us. We talk about sexual morality because we need to know God's truth so that we can obey God's truth. You see, Satan has declared war on God's truth regarding right and wrong, marriage, relationships, and sex. Satan wants to normalize sin. He wants to desensitize us to sexual morality and all of its sinful expressions 
Because he wants to poison and destroy us, our marriages, our families, our relationships, and our witness for Jesus. Satan is the thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. We are victors over sin, Satan, to death by God's grace through our faith in Christ Jesus. As followers of Jesus, we're called to minister to the world around us in the name of Jesus, by the power of Jesus, for the glory of Jesus. And one of the best things that we can do, one of the most loving things that we can do as followers of Jesus is to speak God's truth in love. Please understand, Satan hates us. And he will do whatever he can to keep us from speaking God's truth in love to those who are lost in sin, struggling with sin, or to those who are discouraged because they can't seem to stop a particular sin that is entangling them. Thankfully, greater is he who's in us than he who's in the world. Amen? Thankfully, there is forgiveness available to us in Jesus. Thankfully, there is freedom available to us in Jesus. Thankfully, there is a victory for us in Jesus. And so we continue day by day in victory, not in defeat as followers of Jesus Christ. And so we're going to continue looking at this passage. We're going to continue making our way through chapter 4 as God continues ministering to us according to his truth before us. So, Father, we ask now that you would open our eyes to the wonderful truth in your word. God, we thank you there is forgiveness. We thank you there is freedom. And we thank you there is victory in Jesus Christ. And so, God, would you grant that we would walk in that victory that is ours today? And, Father, would you enlighten us? Would you teach us? Would you grow us? Would you change us so that we might be better ministers and witnesses for Jesus moving from this day forward? For it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Open your Bibles with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Uh, we are in this passage in uh, chapter 4 uh, where Paul began his practical instructions to the believers in Thessalonica and he chose first to uh, teach and instruct them regarding holiness, the need for holiness. Paul loved the believers in Thessalonica, so Paul spoke God's truth to the believers in Thessalonica. And these words that Paul wrote to these believers years ago are true for you and me today. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, uh, we'll pick back up beginning in verse 3. Uh, Paul wrote, For this is God's will, your sanctification, that you keep away from sexual immorality, that each of you knows how to control his own body and holiness and honor, not with lustful passions like the Gentiles who don't know God. We have uh, studied this passage for uh, the past couple of Sundays, so I would encourage you to go online and watch the services from the past couple of weeks so you can get the background uh, to uh, this passage that leads up to where we're at this morning. Real quickly, God's will, Paul said, is our sanctification. God has sanctified us. God has set us apart from sin and set us apart to the Savior Jesus once for all by his grace through our faith in Christ Jesus. God continues to sanctify us, to make us more like Jesus, to grow us in holiness and in our faith in Jesus day by day by the power of his Holy Spirit in us as we follow Jesus by faith. Paul said that each one of you knows how to. 
God, through Paul, shared with us our part in God's sanctification work. In this passage, our part in God's sanctification work is to keep away from sexual immorality and to control our own body in holiness and honor, not with lustful passions like when we didn't know God. Thankfully, God has given us his know-how and his word to live holy lives. God has given us his know-how and his word that we would be able to keep away from sexual morality and to control our own body in holiness and honor, not with lustful passions of our sinful flesh. The question for us, as always is the case, is how do we put God's know-how into action in our lives? How are we able today and this week, what do we need to do? What are some application steps? What does God's word say to us about how we can control our own body in holiness and honor? How can we live holy lives? If the scripture says that the God who calls you is holy, so be holy in all you do, as we just finished singing about, as Peter wrote about in 1 Peter, then how does that work? How are we able to live holy lives? If God calls us to live this way, certainly he will empower us to live this way. We know, according to the word of God, that he promises to empower us to do what he's called us to do. So how does that work for us? And so I want us to continue looking at some of these action steps, some of these application points that will enable us this day and this week uh, to successfully control our own body and holiness and honor and not with lustful passions to successfully keep away from sexual morality. Let me just share real quick a side note. This is free. It won't cost you any extra money at all this morning. Um, Satan does not want this truth taught. The amount of warfare that has come against me in preparation for this passage has been quite overwhelming. I wondered and wrestled with God as to why it's so difficult, why there's so much going on, and he gently reminded me that it's his truth, and Satan will do whatever he can to keep us from outing him, from today's lingo, putting him on blast, from unmasking who he really is, the miserable, defeated loser of the blood of Jesus Christ. And so he will fight as he always fights to keep his lies and his identity from being exposed for what it is. And so as we look at this passage, understand and know that as we seek to live holy lives, pure and pleasing to God, as we seek to keep away from sexual immorality, as we seek to control our own body and holiness and honor, not with lustful passions like those who don't know God, there's going to be quite a bit of spiritual warfare that comes against us. It's always the case, but I think in particular as we make our way into this passage, we see it in our day-to-day -day lives uh, as we continue to to look at this amazing passage of God's truth 
for our lives. So let's look at these steps. Number one, first, we'll go through the first two real quick because we focused on them a little bit last week. Number one, I must admit, I need God's help. We need help. We can't live holy lives. We can't control our own body in holiness and honor, in our strength, wisdom, and abilities, by our good thoughts, by our good desires, by our good wishes. We need God's help to keep away from sexual immorality. We need God's help to keep away from all sins of the flesh. We need God's help to control our own body in holiness and honor. God knew this, which is one of the reasons why when God saved us by his grace through our faith in Christ Jesus, he placed his Holy Spirit in us. His Holy Spirit is our helper, our counselor. He encourages and empowers us to live out God's truth in our day-to-day lives. And so we understand and realize the Holy Spirit's role in our lives. And so uh, we understand and realize how important humility is, that, that we need to admit we need God's help to live God's way. The Holy Spirit uh, is within us as followers of Jesus to encourage and empower us to live out God's truth. It's like the guy who said one day, he was praying, and he said, God, thank you so much for today. Thank you, God, because I haven't said one bad thing to anyone today. I haven't had one bad thought about anyone today. God, I haven't been selfish at all in any way today. I haven't worried. I haven't been afraid. I haven't been stressed or anxious at all. But God, in just a few minutes, I'm going to get out of bed and I need a whole lot more of your help. We need God's help. Every step of our way, day by day. Jesus told us this when he said, apart from me, you can do nothing. We understand this. We know this quite well. We can do nothing for Jesus apart from Jesus. Our dependence, our surrender, our submission uh, to him. So we see the second truth is that I must walk by the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5 uh, beginning in verse 15, Paul said, or in verse 16, Paul said, I say then walk by the spirit and you will certainly not carry out the desires of the flesh for the flesh desires what is against the spirit and the spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other so that you don't do what you want to do. Paul affirmed for us the reality of the internal battle that we all deal with as followers of Jesus Christ, that being the battle between our flesh and the spirit. Our sinful flesh and the Holy Spirit of God living in us are opposed to each other. And so Paul encouraged us as followers of Jesus, as victors in Jesus, to walk by the Spirit, to submit to the control of the Holy Spirit of God who lives within us by obeying God. As we walk by the Spirit in obedience to God, we are able to control our own bodies in holiness and honor not with lustful passions and urges and desires that rise up within our sinful flesh. We understand and realize, we're reminded that self-control is a fruit of the Spirit that the Holy Spirit produces in us as we walk by the Spirit. You keep reading there in Galatians chapter 5, you'll get down to the list of the fruit of the Spirit and you'll find self-control. And so we know as we walk by the Spirit, as we can step and keep in step with the Spirit, as we yield to the Spirit, as we're filled with the Spirit, as we walk in obedience to God, the Holy Spirit in us empowers us 
Because he's leading, we follow, he empowers us as we follow Jesus by faith. He empowers us to keep away from sexual morality, control, to control our own body in holiness and honor, not with the lustful passions of our sinful flesh. In essence, the Holy Spirit controls us instead of our bodies controlling us. Instead of the urges of our sinful flesh controlling and overwhelming us, the Holy Spirit has control of us. And we walk in victory and not in defeat. The third truth we see is I must fill my mind with God's word. Paul made this clear over and over again. I must fill my mind with God's word. Paul reminded the believers in Thessalonica of God's instructions they received through he, Silas, and Timothy. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, if you just look to chapter 2 and verse 13, we've covered this already a couple of months back. This is why we constantly thank God, Paul said, because when you received the word of God that you heard from us, you welcomed it not as a human message, but as it truly is the word of God, which also works effectively in you who believe. Paul rejoiced that these believers... They heard, received, and welcomed God's words through them. Not their words for them, God's words through them. And so we're reminded once again and understand that this is God's word for you and me. Every word in God's word is God's words to you and to me. This word works effectively in us who believe it. This word works effectively in us who obey it. God's word is a lamp for our feet and a light for our path. God's word never returns void or empty. It always accomplishes the plans and purposes that God has set for it. God's word is useful and profitable for teaching us, rebuking us, correcting us, and training us in righteousness so that we will be ready, equipped, and able to do all that God has called us to do. As we renew our minds on the truth of this word, we are able to know discern and understand and follow the good pleasing and perfect will of God as we meditate on God's word it sinks deep within our hearts and our minds and our beings and allows us to walk in victory day by day you see God's word contains God's instructions for you and me to enable and empower and guide us to live God's way and so when we're talking about holiness, we're talking about living holy lives we're talking about controlling our own body and holiness and honor scripture gives us Great encouragement and direction in regards to how we live holy lives. Psalm chapter 119, drop this verse down if you're taking notes. Psalm 119, verses 9 through 11. The psalmist said this, How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping your word. By obeying your word. He said, I've sought you with all my heart. Do not let me wander from your commands. I have treasured your word in my heart, God so that I may not sin against you. So we live holy, pure lives, pleasing to God as we obey God. We obey God's word as we know God's word. We know God's word as we treasure God's word in our hearts and minds. Treasure there literally means to hide. It means to store up. As we treasure, as we hide as we treasure God's word in our hearts and minds, as we hide God's word in our hearts and minds, as we store up God's word in our hearts and minds, we are able to resist the temptations to turn away from God into sin. God's word is the antidote for Satan's lies and temptations. God's word is the antidote 
for Satan and his work in our lives. Jesus is our perfect example for everything. Once again, Jesus is our perfect example for this point. When Jesus was tempted by Satan in the wilderness after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus did not discuss, debate, or dialogue with Satan. He quoted scripture, Old Testament scripture, and Satan left him alone. He left him alone. We are able to shine the light on Satan's lies with the Word of God. We're able to resist the temptations of Satan with the Word of God. We're able to refute the accusations from Satan with the Word of God. With the Word of God. Filling our minds with God's word is a must for us. I firmly believe you know and understand this. And if you're still unsure about this, I hope that by the end of our time this morning, here in a few minutes, you'll be convinced of this. Filling our minds with God's word is a must for us. One of the many reasons this is a must for us is the battlefield where spiritual warfare is fought is in the mind. That's where the battlefield where spiritual warfare is fought. It's in our minds. So everything happens in our minds. Paul told us this. Paul reminded us of this in just a, a fantastic passage in Romans chapter 1. So I want to just, for a brief few moments, I want us to, to turn to your left and turn to Romans chapter 1, this amazing book of Romans, this amazing first chapter in this amazing book of Romans, truth just pouring out of every verse as it does in all of God's Word. But I want us to look specifically uh, at Romans chapter 1. I'm just going to really do a quick summary. We're only going to look at one little bite-sized piece, so please forgive. We're not going to dive into the depths of all this. We don't have time to do this at this passage, but I want us to see something that's very important that applies to this truth that we're teaching from Thessalonians here in God's Word. Paul, in Romans chapter 1, was uh, introducing himself to the believers there in Rome, and he said, among other things, that he's not ashamed of the gospel, that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation uh, for all who believe, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. Uh, Paul shared that uh, no one is without excuse. Uh, there is no one who can rightfully say, I didn't know that there was a God because God has revealed himself to everyone, no matter where they are, no matter when they live, no matter who they were. God has revealed himself to everyone in the beauty of his creation, in the glory of his creation, of this world around us, of us in our own bodies. He has revealed himself so that there is no one without excuse. There is no one who can say, well, I didn't know there was a God. No, God has made sure that he has revealed himself to everyone through the beauty of his creation. And he's speaking here of folks in this particular passage that we're going to look at who have not only recognized that God is, there is a God because they can see the beauty of his creation, but they've chosen not to respond to God. They've chosen not to receive God's gift of salvation by faith in Jesus. He's talking about those who are living in opposition to God. He's talking about those in the world, those who are unbelievers, those who are living in a pagan lifestyle at this time. Same truth applies today. He's talking about those who, though they 
they knew there's a God because they can see creation. They can see and understand there's got to be a God. They don't respond to that knowledge. They don't move forward to that knowledge. They don't allow the Holy Spirit to draw them any closer. They don't receive that gift of salvation. They refuse because they stay settled in their sin. And uh, we see Paul writing, and I'm going to begin and pick up in verse 21. Paul wrote these words, For though they, that's what we're talking about, though they knew God, they knew there was a God, they did not glorify him as God or show gratitude. Instead, their thinking became worthless and their senseless hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, birds, four-footed animals, and reptiles. Therefore, God delivered them over in the desires of their hearts to sexual impurity so that their bodies were degraded among themselves. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served what has been created instead of the creator who is praised forever. Amen. Let's stop there. That is a lot. I know that's a rich buffet of God's truth for us. So we understand and acknowledge that's a lot right there. But don't miss this one point that's just jumping out of this passage. I don't want you to miss it. It's important. I want you to see it. I'm sure you probably already see it. But here's the point that's jumping off this passage. And if you're taking notes, write this down. Get ready to write this down. We think, we feel, we act. We think, we feel, we act. I want you to look at this passage and how it breaks down. For though they, verse 21, for though they knew God, they did not glorify him as God or show gratitude. Instead, their thinking became worthless. Point number one, their thinking became worthless. They claimed to be wise, but they were fools. What does that mean? It means they thought they knew better than God. It means they thought they knew what was best for them. They thought they were wise. They claimed to be wise. Though they understood there was a God, they chose to follow their own personal God, which was them. They claimed to be wise, but they were fools. Their scripture says their thinking became worthless. Look at what happened next. It said their thinking became worthless and their senseless hearts were darkened. We think, we feel. Their senseless hearts were were darkened. They were full of pride, claiming to be wise, but fools. And so that they were full of pride because they thought they knew what was best for them. They decided to do whatever they felt like doing. They decided to live however they felt like living. They decided they wanted to please themselves rather than God. They chased after what would make them happy because they claimed to be wise. We think We feel our thoughts produce our feelings. And then as you continue on down, verse 24, then therefore God delivered them over in their desires, their hearts to sexual impurity so that their bodies were degraded among themselves. We think, we feel, we act. They gave in to the sin of sexual impurity and sexual immorality. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie. They worshiped the created rather than the creator. And so we see here in this amazing passage, this point that keeps coming out to us as it relates to living holy lives. We think, we feel, we act. Our beliefs determine our behavior. Our beliefs determine our behavior. We think, 
we feel, and then we act. You want to change your actions? You need to change your thinking. You want to change your feelings? You need to check in with your thinking. Your thinking directs your feelings, which directs our actions. That's the way it works. So filling our minds with God's word is a must for us. Filling our minds with God's word allows us to think the ways God wants us to think. You see, God's word tells me I have been created by God in the image of God. God knows me best and God loves me most. God has saved me by his grace through my faith in Christ Jesus. God has placed his Holy Spirit in me to bless me, convict me, encourage me, guide me, and empower me to live my life his way. God is with me. God's watching over me. God will never leave me, fail me, forsake me, or forget me. God loves me with an unconditional, unstoppable love. I know, and I can be confident of this, that God who began his good work and salvation in me will carry it on the completion until the day of Christ Jesus. God's at work in me to willing to act according to his good purpose. I'm God's masterpiece. I'm his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for me to do. You see, God's word tells me if I need help, I need to lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. If I need wisdom, I should just ask of God who gives generously to all without finding fault and he'll give it to me and he won't criticize me for asking. If I need forgiveness, if I confess my sins, my God's faithful and just. He will forgive me of all my sins and he'll cleanse me of all my unrighteousness. And when my God forgives me of my sins, and by the way, when your God forgives you of your sins, he pardons them. He places them as far as the east is from the west. He doesn't remember them anymore. You see, God's word tells me that God will meet all my needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. That God is able to make all grace abound to me at all times in every way, having everything that I need. I'll be able to excel, abound, and overflow in every good work. You see, God's word says I need to be still and know that he is God. That he will be exalted in my life. He'll be exalted in this earth. He will be exalted in the heavens. You see, that's what God's word tells me. That's what God's word tells you. God's word tells us that if we will just be still, if we will keep the Lord in mind always, we'll know he's at our right hand and we won't be shaken. Our heart will be glad. Our spirit will rejoice and our body will rest securely day by day. When we fix our eyes on Jesus Christ, the author and perfect of our faith, for the joy he set before us, he endured the cross, scorning it, shame, and sat down on the right hand of the throne of God, and he will empower us to persevere in our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. God's word says that I need to cast my cares on him because he cares for me. God's word tells me my battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against Satan, his demonic forces of evil and the heavenly realms. And my God tells me in his word that I don't fight for victory. I fight from victory because I am a victor in Christ Jesus. I'm more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. I am an overcomer in Christ Jesus. And so are you. Do I need to continue going on? (laughs) Filling our minds with God's truth. Watch now, follow me. Helps us think the way God wants us to think. Filling our minds with God's truth helps us feel the ways God wants us to feel. I tell you what, I feel blessed. I'm a child of God in Jesus. I feel confident. I am led each day by Jesus. I feel excited because I'm being made more and more like Jesus. I feel joyful because I'm right with God in Jesus. I feel loved because I am forgiven by God in Jesus. I feel strong because I'm an overcomer in Jesus. I feel thankful because I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. By his grace. By his grace. 
You see, filling our minds with God's Word helps us think the way God wants us to think. Helps us feel the ways God wants us to feel. Filling our minds with God's Word helps us to act the ways God wants us to act. I will bless those who persecute me. I will encourage others. I will forgive as I have been forgiven. I will give generously to others. I will live like Jesus by the power of Jesus for the glory of Jesus. I will love like Jesus by the power of Jesus for the glory of Jesus. I will look not only my own interests, but I'll look to the interests of others. I will obey the truth of God's word. I will pray with and for others. I will persevere in my faith in Christ Jesus. I will trust in the Lord with all my heart. I'll lean out on my own understanding. I'll think about God in all my ways. I will treasure God's word in my heart. I will walk by faith and not in the flesh. I will walk in the spirit. Walking by faith, not by sight. Walking in the spirit. David, I will worship God in spirit and in truth. You see, the battle for our mind rages moment by moment, day by day. The battle for our mind. Whether you acknowledge it or not, I promise you, as a follower of Jesus Christ, as a child of God, it is raging. And you have an enemy who wants to destroy you. And he's coming after your minds. Satan bombards our minds with his lies, accusations, and temptations in the hope, here's his hope, that we will believe and act and live based on his lies rather than God's truth. That's his only hope. Far too many Christ followers are walking around in discouragement and defeat. Why? Because they are walking around believing and living according to the lies of the enemy rather than the truth of God's word. Everything Satan says to us is a lie. Everything Satan says to us is to, designed to draw us away from God. Everything Satan tells us is designed to destroy us. Well, then how am I able to know if what I'm thinking is a lie from Satan? Mark, tell me, how am I supposed to know if what I'm thinking is a lie from Satan? I'll tell you how. Match up what you're thinking with the Word of God. That's how. Match up what you're thinking with the Word of God. Match your thoughts to the Word. If you are thinking thoughts that are discouraging, if you are thinking thoughts that make you feel like you're less than, that you don't count, that you're not enough, that you don't have enough, that you don't look good enough, if you're thinking thoughts that you're alone, that nobody cares about you, that nobody loves you, that nobody's with you, if you're thinking thoughts that Take your mind back to past sins and mistakes that you have committed years and years before. If you're thinking thoughts that lead you to fear, anxiety, worry, stress, or selfishness, or pride, guess what? Those are lies from Satan. Those are lies from Satan. That is not God's truth. If you're thinking thoughts that are aimed negatively at others, it's not God's truth. It's 
Those are lies. I don't mean to minimize the hurts that others can cause us. I would never do that. But I want to make sure that we maximize the truth of God's word. That we're to forgive even as we've been forgiven. We're to pray for those who persecute us, hurt us, come against us. Or even to go so far as to bless those who come against us. You see, filling our minds with God's word is best for us and it's a blessing to us. Listen, choosing not to fill our minds with God's word is going into the battle of spiritual warfare unarmed. And you know how that turns out. Do you know how it would turn out to go into a battle unarmed? It's not gonna go well. Why would we as followers of Jesus Christ ever make the choice to go into the battle of spiritual warfare, day by day, moment by moment, step by step, without arming ourselves. It's a recipe for defeat and discouragement and despair. All because of lies. You see, God's word, Scripture tells us, is the sword of the Spirit. It's the one offensive weapon that God gave to us in that passage about spiritual warfare, in the passage about the armor of God. In Ephesians chapter 6, Paul said that the sword of the Spirit is the word of God. It's the only offensive weapon God has given to us. All the rest of the armor of God is defensive, protective. It's the only offensive weapon because it's the only offensive weapon we need. Because it works. And our enemy has no defense against it. God gave us his word because he knows we need his word and he knows we need to use his word. You see, Paul later told the brothers and sisters in Colossae, let the word of God dwell richly among you. Isn't that good? Let the word of God dwell richly among you. You see, as the word of God dwells richly in and among us, it blesses us and allows us to be a blessing to one another. One of the greatest blessings that we can be to one another's brothers and sisters in Christ is to share scripture with one another. Hey, you want to go a step further? Pray scripture for one another. You want to take it a step further? Pray scripture over one another. And you watch the power of God's Holy Spirit become unleashed in your life and in my life as that scripture soaks into us, as it dwells among us richly. I've hidden your word, God, in my heart 
so that I might not sin against you. Let me ask you to bow in prayer. Our worship team is going to come and lead us in this time of invitation.